0: Welcome to Murder Minute. Today, Candace Newmaker. But first, your true crime headlines. A fight between two teenage boys, which was witnessed and recorded by dozens of other teens, resulted in the stabbing death of one and second-degree murder charges for the other. The pre-arranged fight took place outside of a strip mall in Long Island. The victim, 16-year-old Cassine Morris, had been seen walking another boy's girlfriend home and was threatened by that boy and told to come to the strip mall after school and be ready for a fight. When Morris arrived at the predetermined location, a fight broke out between the 16-year-old high school senior and a group of boys from another school. During the fight, Morris was stabbed once in the chest and died from his injuries. After reviewing video of the incident, police were able to identify 18 year old Tyler Flock as one of the assailants. He was arrested and charged with second degree murder. When speaking to reporters, Nassau County Police Detective Stephen Fitzpatrick expressed his frustration that so many teens had stood around watching and recording the fight rather than trying to help. However, He also requested that any teens with recordings of the incident should turn those over to police, who are continuing to investigate. There were more than 50 teens present for the fight, which also resulted in a broken arm and head injuries for another boy. The family of Cassine Morris has established a GoFundMe to pay for his funeral. Investigators in Southern California have identified the killer of a young girl who vanished while riding her bike outside of her family's home on Thanksgiving Day of 1972. The partially nude body of that girl, 11-year-old Terry Lynn Hollis, was found the next day by some fishermen. She had been raped and strangled. Her case went cold and remained unsolved for nearly half a century. In 2004, detectives submitted a DNA sample collected from the victim and entered it into the nationwide DNA database known as CODIS. At the time, the database was still in its infancy and did not return a match. Then, in 2018, detectives contacted Parabon NanoLabs, a company that uses genealogy to identify suspects through DNA. This time, their efforts were successful and the young girl's killer was identified as Jake Edward Brown. Brown, who died in Arizona in 2003, had two other rape convictions and is now being investigated as a suspect in several other unsolved cases. The brother of Terry Lynn Hollis, who was 16 at the time of her murder, expressed his gratitude to police during a news conference, saying that he wished his parents were still alive to see the case solved. Murder charges have been dropped against five Chicago teenagers whose 14-year-old accomplice was shot and killed by a homeowner during a failed robbery attempt last month. The teens, raging in age from 14 to 18 years old, drove up to the home in a stolen Lexus and drew the attention of the home's owner, a 75-year-old man with a legal and licensed firearm. He stepped onto his porch and yelled at the teens at which time two of them began to approach him. Fearing for his life, he fired one shot, which struck the 14-year-old and killed him. The rest of the teens got back into the stolen Lexus and drove away, leading police on a chase through the area, which only ended when the car ran out of gas. All of the teens were charged under a law that allows for murder charges if someone is involved in a felony that results in death. Speaking to reporters this week, the Lake County State's attorney stated that even though the law allows for murder charges in this case, he was exercising discretion and basing the new charges on the age of the offenders, the law, and the evidence and facts in each individual case. The only named defendant, 18-year-old Diamond Davis of Chicago, will be charged with conspiracy to commit burglary and a criminal trespass to a motor vehicle. She is expected to plead guilty when she appears in court next week. Because the rest of the accused are juveniles, they have not been named, and their charges will not be announced, though the state's attorney ensured the public that all offenders will be held responsible and face appropriate sentences. Those are your true crime headlines. Up next, the rebirthing of Candace Newmaker. But first, a quick break. Welcome back to Murder Minute. On today's episode, the rebirthing of Candace Newmaker. Candace Tiara Elmore was born on November 19th, 1989, to Angela and Todd Elmore in Lincolnton, North Carolina. Todd and Angela neglected their children, and soon Candace, her younger brother Michael, and her sister Chelsea were removed from the home and separated. Todd and Angela's parental rights were terminated, and at age five, Candace and her siblings were put up for adoption. Two years later, Candace was adopted by 42-year-old unmarried pediatric nurse Jean Elizabeth Newmaker Jean's work as a pediatric nurse made her a uniquely qualified caregiver. Jean seemed the perfect candidate to adopt a child like Candace. But Candace wasn't embracing her new mother. Jean spent months trying to connect with her new daughter, but Candace simply wasn't forming an attachment to her. Or to anything else. Within months of the adoption, Jean began taking Candace to a psychiatrist. Jean was worried about Candace's behavior. She showed little regard for her surroundings, she played with matches, and she killed her pet goldfish. Candace was diagnosed with Reactive Attachment Disorder, a psychiatric condition thought to be caused by the failure of normal bonding with a parent or caregiver during infancy. Similar to PTSD and Borderline Personality Disorder, Reactive Attachment Disorder, or RAD, has its onset before the age of five and is characterized by difficulties in establishing and maintaining trusting relationships and by emotional disturbances in social situations. Symptoms include failure to establish eye contact, persistent lying and stealing, poor impulse control, cruelty to animals, and a seeming lack of conscience. Over the next two years, Jean took Candace to multiple therapists who treated her with various medications and therapies, but Candace appeared to be getting worse. Jean told friends that Candace was assaultive and difficult to control. She flew into furious tantrums, which would last for hours. Jean was worried. In 2000, Jean Newmaker heard of a fringe treatment called rebirthing, a form of attachment therapy developed in the 1970s by psychotherapist Leonard Orr. Children seldom undergo the process of rebirthing, but Jean heard of a therapist in Colorado named Connell Watkins who offered Jean and Candace a two-week intensive program for $7,000. Desperate, Jean and now 10-year-old Candace traveled across the country to Evergreen, Colorado and began treatment. After a week and a half of attachment therapy, Connell Watkins, the unlicensed psychotherapist out of whose home the therapy was taking place, decided that Candace Newmaker was ready for rebirthing. Candace would be tightly wrapped in a sheet and laid under a pile of pillows, weighed down by the therapist and her assistants to simulate the birth canal. Candace would then have to struggle her way out of the sheet and be reborn into the arms of her loving mother. The theory was that if the child could be reduced to an infantile state, and accept that she is helpless without her mother, when she finally exited the simulated womb, she would be able to trust, love, and obey her mother, waiting to embrace her. Jean and Candace could then start over, reliving Candace's early childhood development. On April 18th, the rebirthing of Candace Newmaker began the 70-minute session was videotaped Connell Watkins was assisted by marriage and family therapist Julie Ponder and two therapy parents Brita St. Clair and Jack McDaniel a navy blue flannel sheet was laid out on the floor Ponder told Candace to lay down on the sheet and assume the fetal position. So imagine yourself as a tiny little baby inside your mother's womb and what it felt like, she told Candace as they bound her in the sheet. Warm. It felt tight because her stomach was all around you. Ponder then twisted the ends of the sheet above Candace's head, and the four adults placed pillows on top of her and pressed on her. Their combined weight was 700 pounds. What do you think you thought about when you were in there? Ponder asked. I thought I was going to die, Candace responded. Jean played her part as the expectant mother. I'm so excited I'm going to have a new baby, she said. I hope it's a girl. I'm going to love her, to hold her, and tell her stories. I'm going to keep her very safe. Every day we'll be together and she'll be with me forever. The therapists asked Candace if she believed what her mother was saying. Uh huh, came the voice from under the sheet. They asked her how that made her feel. Happy, Candace replied. The therapists applied pressure, simulating contractions. If the baby doesn't decide to be born, she will die, Watkins said. When the baby decides to be born, it's a wonderful thing. Ponder added, So, little baby, are you ready to be born? Uh-huh, replied Candace. Come out head first, Ponder said. You have to push really hard with your feet. If you stay in there, you're going to die and your mommy's going to die. Candace struggled. Who's sitting on me? she asked. I can't do it. Candace had been inside the sheet with the weight of four adults on top of her for almost nine minutes. I can't do it, she cried. My hands come out first? Sometimes it takes 18 hours to be born, Watkins replied. Candace started to panic. I can't do it. I can't do it, she screamed. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Whoever is pushing on my head, it's not helping. Candace continued to fight under the sheet, but the four therapists kept her pinned. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't breathe. It's too dark under here. Please, quit pushing on my head. I can't do it. Somebody's sitting on top of me. At almost 11 minutes, Candace moaned. Somebody's on top of me. Where am I supposed to come out? Right here? Where my finger is? 11 minutes and 26 seconds. I can't do it, Candace screamed. I'm gonna die. Ponder taunted Candace. Do you want to be reborn or do you want to stay in there and die? Candace moaned and cried and screamed. Crushed under 700 pounds, she struggled so intensely that she kicked an almost three-foot tear in the sheet with her socked feet. Quit pushing on me, please, she begged. Quit squishing my legs, I'm going to die. Do you want to die? Ponder asked. No, Candace said, but I'm about to. Please, please, I can't breathe, she begged. Twelve minutes, thirty seconds. I can't do it anymore, Please quit pushing on me. 13 minutes, 12 seconds. I need some help, Candace cried. Help, help me, please. Are you feeling the contractions, Mom? Watkins asked Jean. I am, she replied. 13 minutes, 43 seconds. Where am I to go? Right here? Right here? Candace begged. I'm supposed to go right here? <clears throat> Where am I to go? Right here? Right here? Candace begged. I'm supposed to go right here? Please, please! Candace was screaming. Okay, I'm dying. Okay, I'm dying. I'm sorry. Fourteen minutes. 31 seconds. Okay, I'm dying. I'm going to die. 15 minutes, 30 seconds. I want to die. 16 minutes, 8 seconds. Can you let me have some oxygen? Candace begged. You mean, like you want me to die for real? Uh huh, Ponder replied. Die right now and go to heaven? Go ahead and die right now, Ponder said. For real, for real. Okay, I'm dead. It's not always easy to live, Watkins lectured. You have to be really strong to live a life, a human life. 17 minutes, 7 seconds. Candace is having trouble breathing. Get off. I'm sick. Get off. Where am I supposed to come out? She asked again. Where? But how can I get there? Just go ahead and die, Watkins scoffed. It's easier. It takes a lot of courage to be born. You said you would give me oxygen, Candace said. You gotta fight for it, Watkins replied. 19 minutes, 50 seconds. Candace vomited inside the sheet. Okay, I'm throwing up. I just threw up. I got a poop. I got a poop. All five adults ignored her. 21 minutes, 24 seconds. Candace defecated on herself. Um, I'm going in my pants. Go ahead, Ponder said. Stay in there with poop and vomit, Watkins mocked. Twenty three minutes, twenty two seconds. Candace screamed, Help! I can't breathe! I can't breathe! It's hot! I can't breathe! I'm so excited to have this baby! Jean said, I'm waiting for you to love you and to hold you. Scream, Candace! Ponder jeered. No, replied Candace. Baby, I love you already, Jean said, cheerfully, trying to encourage Candace. I'll hold you and love you and keep you safe forever. Don't give up on your life before you have it. 33 minutes, 44 seconds. Candace was silent. Jack McDaniel repositioned himself over her head on the pillow. Candace! Ponder paused. No response. Ponder took another pillow from Jean. She needs more pressure over here so she can't so she really needs to fight. Getting pretty tight in here, Watkins taunted. Yep, Ponder added. Less and less air all the time. But Candace didn't move. Forty minutes. McDaniel and Ponder repositioned themselves on their pillows again, "'She gets to be stuck in her own puke and poop,' Ponder said. "Uh "'Uh-huh,' added Watkins. "'It's her own life. Quitter.' "'No,' came a small voice from under the tightly wound sheet. The final word of the ten-year-old girl. "'Mama got you this far, now it's up to you,' said McDaniel." Candace is used to making her life everybody else's problem, said Watkins. She's not used to living her own life. Quitter, 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 quit, 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 said Ponder. She's a quitter. Jean left the room and watched the rebirthing recording on a TV monitor for the rest of the session. This baby doesn't want to live, McDaniel said. She's a quitter the therapist took a break as they sat atop the 10-year-old girl, making idle chit-chat. So-and-so was under a lot of stress, their dream homes, and that million-dollar property nearby, the one that was being remodeled. One hour, nine minutes, and 53 seconds. Watkins finally decided that it was time to unwrap Candace. Let's talk to the twerp. Oh, there she is, sleeping in her vomit. Jean Newmaker screamed. Oh no, God, she's dead. Candace's lips and fingers were blue. Jean rushed into the room and attempted CPR, as Watkins called 911. Paramedics arrived ten minutes later They managed to restore Candace's pulse, and Candace was rushed by helicopter to a hospital in Denver. But she was brain dead. Before the morning arrived, 10-year-old Candace Newmaker died from a brainstem herniation and cerebral edema, brought on by mechanical asphyxiation. A year later, Connell Watkins and Julie Ponder were tried for reckless child abuse resulting in death. Jurors wept, gasped, and put their hands together in prayer as they watched the heartbreaking 70-minute videotape. And Candace's pleas for help slowly quieted at the 50-minute mark. Over the course of the 70-minute rebirthing session, Candace told the adults 11 times that she was going to die. Emergency medic Larry Ferrer described finding the 10-year-old girl cold, blue, and clammy with dead eyes and no heartbeat. The therapist's defense lawyers argued that a heart defect and the high altitude in Colorado may have contributed to the girl's death. Watkins testified that she had learned this style of attachment therapy and the rebirthing technique from New Agers in 1999. She insisted that she had previously performed the rebirthing four times and found it to be effective in releasing the rage of children. In other tapes of the two weeks' worth of sessions, Candace was seen being treated with an attachment therapy technique known as strong-sitting. The 10-year-old sat absolutely motionless for 10, 20, and 30 minutes at a time. Two psychologists and a psychotherapist testified for the prosecution that none of the therapies on Candace had been shown to be effective and that the treatment violated professional codes of ethics. It also appeared to violate the Nuremberg Code on permissible medical experimentation, the standard used at the trial of Nazi doctors after World War II. The last image of 10-year-old Candace Newmaker shown to the jury was of her sitting cross-legged, staring blankly at the camera. Ponder's defense attorney, Joan Heller, told jurors in her closing argument, This was not child abuse. This was done for therapy. This was done for all the best intentions, to try to make sure that this child got a chance. The three-week trial drew awareness to the controversial rebirthing practice, which prompted statements of condemnation by psychotherapists and other psychiatric and medical professionals around the country. Michael Jasno, adolescent psychoanalyst and head of the Child and Adolescent Psychotherapy Program at George Washington University's doctoral program in psychology, told CNN that, quote, "...something like rebirthing is just not a recognized method of treatment. I can't imagine anything that would be worse for the child, because one of the features of reactive attachment disorder, one of the definite defining features, is you're looking at a child where the adult world has failed in some way. You're looking where the needs of the child, the emotional needs and care, have somehow been broken or disjointed. And to wrap a child, put a child, in a terrifying situation, and then to disregard her overt pleas of terror would be not only a horrifying thing, but on the face of it, exactly what you would not want to do with a child suffering from this disorder. After five hours' deliberation, the jury found 54-year-old Connell Watkins and her assistant, 40-year-old Julie Ponder guilty of reckless child abuse resulting in death. Each were sentenced to 16 years in prison. Watkins was also convicted for unlawfully practicing psychotherapy. Candace's biological grandmother, Mary Davis, cried out in the courtroom after the verdict was read. Deputy District Attorney Steve Jensen said after the verdict, I hope this sends a clear message that children should not be treated that way in the name of psychology or psychotherapy. The two women sobbed as they were led away in handcuffs. Candace's grandmother told reporters that she had no pity for the two women. They cried for themselves, she said, but not for Candace. Jack McDaniel and Britta St. Clair, the therapeutic foster parents, pleaded guilty to criminally negligent child abuse. They were given just 10 years probation and 1,000 hours of community service each in a plea deal. Jean Newmaker also made a plea bargain. She pleaded guilty to neglect and abuse charges. She was given a four-year suspended sentence, after which the charges were expunged from her record. The nursing board in North Carolina permitted her to keep her registered nursing license. The rebirthing tapes of Candace Newmaker have since been sealed by the judge in the case for privacy reasons. As a result of her death, Governor Bill Owens passed a law which outlawed rebirthing as a treatment in Colorado. They named it Candace's Law. This has been Murder Minute. For true crime anytime, download the Murder Minute app or follow us on Instagram at Murder Minute.